What's good, y'all? Welcome to the Meaningful Hospitality Podcast, where we talk about using hospitality to create meaningful experiences for your employees and guests. I'm your host, Tyler Hill. Thanks for joining me. Now, on to the podcast. What is good, everyone? Welcome to episode 20 of the Meaningful Hospitality Podcast. It is I, Tyler Hill, sitting here in my living room looking into the camera because um, we are now recording all the episodes of the Meaningful Hospitality Podcast so you can see me um, on YouTube if you want um, when the uh, podcast goes up on Stitcher or Spotify or Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to my voice out there in cyberspace. YouTube is now one of those places you can go up and just uh, look at the video if that's something um, that you'd like to do or a better place for you to uh, consume this content. Um, I'm so excited about this episode doing the question and answer one. I was uh, working to get this one out about a week and a half ago, but you know, again, working in the hospitality industry, things are pretty gnarly, things are pretty crazy, and I just didn't quite get to it. But here I am today, have an empty house for a few minutes, so I'm jumping on, plugging in the microphone, and excited to answer some of your questions. Um, in the last episode, I asked for you to reach out to me on my email or through Instagram and uh, to ask me some questions about hospitality, and I'm really excited for this episode in particular to just answer your questions. No agenda. Um, we're just going to jump right on. I don't really have a lot of notes um, based on uh, the questions. I haven't uh, prepared a big old answer. I'm kind of just going to riff. I'm going to read them and we're just going to go for it. I'm going to kind of let you know what's sort of in my heart uh, and just really go for it, which more often than not is what uh, this podcast typically is. I get a thought and then I just talk about it. I've been in the industry a really, really long time, mostly on the front lines, although I've spent the last few years as a uh, manager and owner of a company, which has given me an entirely new perspective on the industry. But with that being said, I'm just so excited to uh, jump in and really work to uh, help give you some value and some ideas and some inspiration that will help you create meaningful experiences for your employees and your guests. I think what's going to be fun about this episode and what I hope is helpful um, in all the content that I create is that you would understand the positive power of hospitality. That you would understand that hospitality is not just for um, people in the service industry providing drinks and good food to people, but that implementing practices of hospitality, for example, can radically improve uh, your business, whether you're a dentist or whether you're a doctor. Implementing practices of hospitality into your marriage will help your marriage get better. It will help you be a better neighbor. Walking with a posture of hospitality has a potential to radically transform your life in a positive way. And so... I'm excited to use some of these questions today to help inspire you, and these questions will kind of touch all aspects of life, and um, yeah, they'll kind of touch all aspects of life and work. So with that being said, let's jump on in, and again, thank you to everybody who sent me the questions. Oh yeah, the last thing. I didn't get to answer all the questions, or I'm not going to answer all the questions today because I got so many. So here in another four or five episodes, we'll do another q and I'd love to keep doing this. So I'm going to save some for the next one because I don't want this episode to be too long. 
With that being said, let's jump right into the first question. And this one came in um, on my Instagram story from Wesley. And Wesley asked me if the mantra, the customer is always right, helpful. Or does it sometimes cause issues? Do we subscribe? That's a really good question. Do we subscribe to the, the mantra, the customer is always right? And that's a really hard one. I think one of the things uh, that is interesting is when we consider that mantra, the customer is always right. It's really done with the implication that we assume that no matter what the customer says, no matter what they want, no matter um, what they expect from us, it's our obligation to do that thing. And I think in general, that's not the case. Most of us in most of our businesses are not privileged with the opportunity to heed to every single thing that a customer or guests asks of us. But here's the foundational part to answer that question, is you and your organization need to have some radical clarity as to what is acceptable for you and your team to do for a guest. Meaning there are some places where it is acceptable to do whatever it takes to make a guest happy. Think about your high-end hotels or certain resorts. The customer is always right. That mantra totally applies in certain circumstances when you have the resources and the money and the capacity to literally do whatever a guest needs. But the reality is, is that most of us don't have that capability. Most of us don't have that capacity. Most of us don't have the opportunity to take care of what every single guest wants. So first of all, you and your organization need to be crystal clear on what your expectations are, considering what you're willing to and able to do for your guests. So when it comes to the perspective of a leader, you need to be really clear to your team members. When a customer is mad, when a customer is upset, when a customer asks for something that is unique or different than what we typically provide, how do you handle that? And you need to provide your team members with clarity because what you want to or what a guest will want you to provide them might not always be accessible or possible. And so you need to work hard to create clarity so that when a guest does bring something up or when they bring something up that's countercultural to your organization, you know already what is right and what is wrong. Now, what about when a guest just says something totally wacky, when they say something just off the rails, or if they're doing something that's inappropriate, perhaps, are they still right? What if a guest is, uh, you know, causing a ruckus or, you know, they're crossing some sort of boundary within your space? And they just are not right. They're just completely crossing boundaries. They're doing things that are just completely out of the blue that's disruptful to perhaps the team or your guests. What do you do then? I'd like to suggest that this mantra is maybe a little bit more helpful. Um, and this comes, I believe, from Shep Hyken. He's a pretty big deal, like customer service guy on on Twitter and stuff. I think I heard this from them. I didn't make this up, but um, it stuck with me in my heart. He says that the customer is not always right, but they are always human. So here's the reality is I experience almost every day, for example, my coffee shop or when I was uh, serving drinks at the cocktail bar, myriads of guests who would cross a boundary or they would ask for something that was inappropriate or that was not possible for me to give. So in which case they weren't right or guests will leave bad Yelp reviews and, you know, they're completely off the wall. They don't understand the entirety of a circumstance. They expect one thing, but because of so many other details, we can't do what they expected from us. 
And so the guest, here's the reality, is not always right. They don't understand the calamity of what's going on. They don't understand the scope of your organization and why you can and can't do certain things. Even at Disneyland, which makes so many people happy, you can't meet and exceed the expectations of every single guest every single time. They are not always right. But... They are always human, and I think sometimes our natural instinct is, is when we come across friction with our guests, we tend to take away their humanity. Oh, they don't understand my organization. They, un they don't understand why we do what we're doing. They don't understand what's going on, so I'm going to start separating their humanity from it. Oh, you just don't understand. I'm just going to write you off. I'm just going to give you a look. I'm just going to tell you, no, we can't do that. So I think the big difference is know the customer is not always right, and it does create issues when you're always trying to make them happy, but that doesn't mean that they're not human, and that doesn't mean that we can't take steps to value and recognize their humanity, even when things aren't quite connecting. And so what I'd like to suggest, Wesley, is that we can work in ways to address common issues with our guests if they are if there's some conflict between you and a guest to tell them listen you're not right this isn't acceptable we can't provide this but do it in a way that still values their humanity and can really bring out the best in the situation so what we got to be cautious of is even when a guest isn't right treating them in a way that's still inappropriate it's possible to redeem a situation even when a guest is wrong. So no, the guest is not always right. And you should know that because you've set clear expectations and boundaries within your organization. But even when they're not right, we got to still value their humanity and work to bring that out in the best way possible in that particular context. Thanks for the question, Wesley. I hope that was helpful. Uh, reach out with any other questions you have. Any of y'all can reach out to me at hello at meaningfulhospitality.com. Um, and my social, just so you know, is at T-H-U-H-T-Y-L-E-R. That's what it's on Instagram and Twitter, so reach out to me there. The second question came to me on Facebook, and this is from Becky. And she says, how do you rebuild rapport with people after a failure? Now, that's a really big question, and I think we could head a myriad of different ways um, with that question, Becky. And thank you for asking. And um, yeah, I think, you know, we could talk about that question professionally. We could talk about that question if we had a failure with a guest. There's a lot of different contexts, and I don't really have the context for which um, you're asking this. Maybe professionally, if you've had a failure with a boss and you've been let go or you've had to transition roles. You know, there's a lot of different aspects through which uh, we could, you know, have a failure. Uh, and there's a, um, but I do think there is a few clear things that no matter the context, we could do in order to um, build rapport and rebuild ourselves after a failure. And I think the two things that really come to mind, um, first of all, Becky, is that we need to be willing to apologize and we need to be willing to recognize our own mistakes. The only way that you're going to build yourself up after you've been knocked down is by recognizing that you were knocked down and maybe even understanding why you were knocked down. And so we all need to be humble enough. We need to eat enough humble pie in order to recognize and um, suggest to ourselves that, yo, uh, I did make a mistake. I did fail. And um, your ability to recognize that as soon as possible will be your first step in order to take the right steps in the right direction. So, but it sounds like from the question, you've already done that. You've already taken the time and had the courage to recognize maybe I failed. So how do you build rapport after that? I think one of the best things that you can do is recognize two things. 
One is that it will take time. Building rapport, building trust is something that happens very slowly over time. Building rapport does not happen quickly. It does not happen overnight. There is not a trick of the trade when it comes to building trust and rapport with other people. So first you need to understand within your heart and your mind that it's going to take time. That it's going to take weeks, it's going to take months, it's going to take years in order to build up rapport you may have lost throughout a failure or some kind of misstep. The second part to it, though, is you need to realize, and I think this is the best thing that you can do, is understand that consistency breeds credibility. Now, that term comes from one of my mentors. His name is Alan Briggs. And uh, a little shameless plug for Alan, his podcast is called The Right Side Up Leadership Podcast, and it's super dope. But he says often to me, my whole time that I've met with him and, and learned from him, consistency breeds credibility. And so if you can understand, Becky, that um, building um, rapport and credibility is going to take time, then what you need to do is work to consistently be the person that you weren't when you failed. So find that area that you missed, find the thing that led you to your failure, and find the opposite of that thing, the area of growth that you need, and be really consistent. The best way to build rapport is through consistency, showing up consistently, um, keeping your word consistently, uh, reaching your potential consistently, learning consistently, uh, growing consistently, doing whatever you got to do on the right side of the coin as much as possible is what will build you the rapport over time. There's not really a fast trick of the trade, and so um, I think that's a really, really, uh, really good thing, and and I've uh, I've found that... Uh, Building credibility is something that only takes a long time. So uh, buckle yourself in and get ready to go and take your time. And uh, I'm sure that you'll build the necessary credibility um, over the next few months that's necessary. So thank you for that question. Remember, consistency breeds credibility. Sorry, consistency breeds credibility. Next question. Hope you all are doing good. This one comes from Dr. John. How do you infuse hospitality into healthcare? Now, I was a um, guest on Dr. John's podcast. Uh, I believe it was called For the Cause, COS. It's a podcast all about Colorado Springs and some really cool things that's going on here in my city. He's a chiropractor in town and does some killer work. Check out Zenith Chiropractic here in Colorado Springs. Another plug for a homie. But he asked me, how do you infuse hospitality into healthcare? Now, that's a giant question because uh, I think there's so many spaces and areas in which you can infuse hospitality into healthcare. And, um, you know, I've been uh, unfortunately uh, provided the opportunity to spend a lot of time in a myriad of different hospitals uh, growing up. My mom has been sick for my whole life, and it's been kind of a tough thing to go through. But uh, we've been in a myriad of hospitals, and um, and we've had great experiences, and some that that weren't so great. And so maybe I have a few examples or some some unique perspective to answer this question. I think first and foremost, Dr. John, I think the first thing that we all need to remember is how important it is to take off our own shoes and see the experience through the perspective of the guest. I think whenever you do something over and over and over, whether you're adjusting people, whether you're doing checkups, whether you're doing operations, you know, whether you're making cocktails or making coffee or whether you're the receptionist, you know, it's so easy to forget that um, this might be the guest's first time. 
this might be the first time that a patient is coming in and experiencing something with you. It's very easy for us to get into the normal flow of things and completely neglect the reality of the experience that the customer or that the guest is having. And so I think first and foremost, it's important that we work hard to continuously take off our own shoes and put ourselves in the perspective of the guest. What does it really feel like to be somebody stepping into your office? What is the design communicating? What is the things on the website communicating? How is it making them feel? You've been involved in the systems and the procedures and the operations so much, numerous times every day, that it's going to be so easy for you to forget how a guest may be feeling or what experience they may be having. So the first way that you can infuse hospitality into healthcare is to consider the perspective of the guest way more often than not. One of the things that I think about, I always thought about this in the hospital. So they spend time putting art on the walls and they do things like that. But what's so interesting to me is that so often guests are laying down or or patients are laying down. And if you look at the roof in hospitals, they're so boring. They don't advocate for health. And if you read all these studies, you know, people say things like color and things like art within a hospital or healing places is really impactful when it comes to somebody's health. But I think so often when my mom was being pushed around a hospital in her bed and she's looking up at the roof, the roof is the ugliest part of the whole place. And yet that's so often where a patient is actually looking is up at the roof. And it's so funny to me. And I always wondered what would it look like if there's art on the roof of hospitals, because that's where guests or patients are looking more often than not. Um, But you wouldn't, nobody would think to do that because they never think about the perspective of the patient and what they're actually looking like, looking at and what they're actually experiencing. Um, I think one of the other things, uh, Dr. John, that people could do to infuse hospitality into healthcare is um, is try to make systems and procedures way more simple. You know, and I know it's so hard. You don't, you're not developing your own software on the computers and things. But one of the things that drives me nuts, I always feel like they're not really valuing my humanity when I'm at a doctor's office or the eye doctor or the dentist, is how often I have to communicate the same information over and over and over. Like, how come when I reserve it, I have to put in my phone number and my name and my email, and then I get to the desk and then I still have to put in my name and my phone number and my email, and then when we're logging into the like, like with with my kid, for example, when we go to the pediatrician, you know, they ask us his name and they ask us his birthday at the desk. And then they do the same thing when we get and, and I'm like, you've got to be able to just streamline that information. Like it feels like you're not listening to me or like you don't care. And maybe the software doesn't work that way, but like write it on a sticky note so you don't got to ask me the same questions and answer. Like I didn't come here to provide you with like basic information. I want to get to the thing that uh, I need help with. Like, you're the doctor. I want to talk to you about doctor things. I don't want to talk to you about my kid's birthday every single time. And not only every single time, but like three or four times every single time we show up. Um, I think that's like a really big, simple thing that you can do in hospitality as well that would um, that would be really helpful. Um, those are a couple things that come to mind. Um, one of the most hospitable experiences we had at a hospital, though, I can remember when we went to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, and it was so awesome, uh, the experience that we had there. And I can remember how it was so different, how they scheduled their meetings with their patients. You know, hospitality is all about 
taking on sometimes extra work so that your guests and patients don't have to experience more work. It makes the experience better for them. A lot of times at the laziest places, uh, workers and owners and managers and leaders, they add work to the guest experience because it's something they don't want to do or they don't feel like they can afford the labor. But the places that provide the best hospitality are willing to take on extra work upon themselves so that the guest experience goes a little more smoothly. So one of the things they did in that regard at the Mayo Clinic in Rochester was that um, they they did all of the meetings with the doctors at one time all in the same room. And so instead of suggesting that uh, the the guest would have to go to a meeting place and sit with all the sit with this doctor and then go to a new meeting place and sit with that doctor and then go to this place and do that test. They instead took on the work to schedule all of the doctors at one time to all come into the same room and meet with us all at the same time. That way there was clarity of communication. That way my mom only had to go to one meeting, even though it was a really long one, she only had to go to one. And I love how I'm sure that's a scheduling nightmare for those doctors, but they were willing to take on the extra work in order to ensure that things were easy and simple for my mom. And I felt like that was a really, really good experience as well. I talked really fast there. I feel like I had so much uh, going on in my head. Um, Like I said, I haven't prepared. I'm just kind of riffing these and giving you some of my raw, honest thoughts. But man, there's a lot that hospitals can really do. And I think uh, those are a few things. If you have any other specific questions, I'd love to hear them as well. Um, And uh, thank you for reaching out. Here we go. Let's let's go to this last question. And then I'm going to save some of the other questions I have uh, for the next podcast. So if you submitted a question, remember I have it written down and I'll get to it at some point, but this will be the last one that we'll do um, on this episode. This one comes from Melinda and I believe Melinda reached out to me on my email. Um, she's the manager of a coffee shop out of town. Um, I just got to meet her in my coffee shop a few days ago, which was so cool. She made sure to come and say hi. If you're ever in Colorado Springs, um, definitely reach out. I'd love to meet you and say hello. But she asked me, what are some tangible ways that you can prep a staff for leadership? Um, Wow, what a good question, and I love that. What are some tangible ways that a manager can prepare their staff for leadership? I actually did an episode a little bit about this a few episodes back called The Poisonous Promotion. And I think one of the things that happens specifically in hospitality, especially when it comes to food and beverage, is that we perceive someone who is going to potentially be a leader or a manager, we perceive them as skilled enough because they're really good at making products or they have one particular skill that they're really, really good at doing. And that's a really good step for somebody to get a promotion. But just because somebody is really good at making coffee or just because somebody is really good at making a cocktail uh, does not mean that they're a good leader. And so I think one of the best things that you can do, Melinda, is begin to recognize the difference between somebody who's a good craftsperson, somebody who's good at doing the specific things that need to be done in the cafe, and realize how different that is from somebody being a good leader. And what this means is that while it is important that you teach them really, really good things according to the craft, how to make the product and make it with excellence, that is not a qualifier for them being a good leader. 
Being a good leader is somebody who is willing to have the tough conversations, somebody who's willing to hold their team members accountable. Good leaders are somebody who's inspiring, somebody who's honest. Those are the qualities that make up good leaders. Those are the things that should get people promotions. So the first thing that you can do to prepare your staff for leadership is be able to understand the difference, make sure that you know the difference so you can promote the right people, and make sure that they know the difference so that they are also working on developing their leadership skills. Now, specifically in like the coffee shop context and the and the uh, you know management context, I think one of the hardest things, at least for me, when I was transitioning into management and leadership in the industry was one of my hardest things was my inability to have a hard conversation or my inability to hold team members accountable. And so as I grew as a leader, that was one of the areas where where I lacked the most. And here's the thing is, is one's ability to hold their team members accountable and have difficult conversations that is a skill that can be learned and it's a skill that can be developed and so one of the things that i believe you can do as you're preparing a staff for leadership is give them opportunities now to start having little conversations little accountability moments little one minute management sessions where your team members are learning how to bring up uh, certain things that need fixing or they're learning to ask team members to uh do something according to their policy. Uh, give them opportunities to start having those conversations so that when they become leaders or when they get the promotion that that is not the time where they're finally learning how to have the, the little conversations that are necessary for leaders and managers. One of the other things that you can do, Melinda, in order to help prepare your staff for leadership is really work on clarifying your expectations and your policies in your organization. One of the hardest things for managers especially is when there's not a lot of clarity. You see, if there's no gold standard or no clear standard as to what's right or wrong, acceptable or not within your organization, it's really hard for your people to lead because they don't know what to hold one another accountable for. They don't know what standard to try and bring out of the team members that's underneath them. So if there's not a gold star for everybody to reach, how can a leader inspire or take the people around them to that gold star? So what are the expectations for things as simple as dress code? Is there a lot of clarity at dress code? But then things as big as what is the ideal, most perfect guest experience that can exist in your organization? Is there a gold standard for that? If you can have clarity among your entire organization, that will allow your leaders opportunities to bring other people alongside them in order to meet meet those expectations. But unfortunately, the reality is most places don't have clarity for what is the perfect uh, product to serve. What does it look like? What is the ideal experience to have at the register? What does that look like? We need to work significantly uh, harder in order to give our leaders and managers tools that will allow them to succeed, especially when they get promotions. The other thing you need to do is educate them so much sooner than when they get their promotions and grow into leadership. But not only do you need to educate them sooner, you need to continue to educate them after they become and assume their leadership position. Way too often in the hospitality industry, people get a promotion and then we stop their education experience and we just throw them to the wolves. Now, obviously, the best experience in ed- or sorry, 
Obviously, the best education is experience, but you as their leader need to take it upon yourself to continue to educate as well, be it through podcasts, reading books, and that sort of thing. One of the best ways that we start to prepare our staff at Loyal Coffee for Leadership is before somebody becomes a shift supervisor, um, we make them and we uh, make them read One Minute Manager. We have them read it on the clock. We buy the book for them. But that's a book that will give them a little bit of perspective for how we want them to manage while they're shift supervisors. And so um, that helps give them some clarity as to how. And then we continue along with a myriad of other books. But before they start, they read that book and then we continue to educate educate through that book as they go along um, in their journey, but it doesn't stop when they get hired is my point. You continue to develop them over time for months and months and years and years afterwards. So don't confuse their skills in the cafe with their leadership ability. Those are two different things and you need to speak into both of them, but ensure that before they grow in there that you're actually feeding them uh, when it comes to their leadership and their growth. Friends, this was really fun. Um, I will continue to do these. I like answering these questions. Britt, for sure, I'll get at yours, my friend, soon. Steven, I'll get at yours soon as well, probably in the next episode. And friends, if you have any other questions, please reach out. I'd love to answer them on this podcast. But in the meantime, um, I hope this was helpful. Uh, you'll also be excited to know that uh, we're working on um, having guests on this podcast where I'm going to bring in some other people, let them uh, give us some of their advice, some of their experiences. We're going to let some other perspectives share their stories because Lord knows I am only one person with one perspective. And there's a lot of people in this industry um, that have a lot of wisdom that I just can't have. And so I'm really excited to bring in some people from around the service and hospitality industry um, to help out as well. Uh, please subscribe and like this podcast wherever you're listening. It's really helpful for me. Um, and also, if uh, you'd be willing, uh, reach out. Uh, my email is hello at meaningfulhospitality.com. Um, if you are somebody as well who needs any help in this world or this arena, if you need a coach, if you need to take a workshop, we offer all things hospitality. And so we would love to come alongside you and your organization, be it a doctor's office, be it a coffee shop, be it a cocktail bar, be it a mechanics. Any industry can improve their hospitality, and we are built here to help you do that. So please reach out if you would like any help creating meaningful experiences for your employees and guests. I would love to help you do that. My name is Tyler Hill. This is the Meaningful Hospitality Podcast, and I can't wait to see you at episode 21. Much love. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to today's episode. This podcast is produced by Meaningful Hospitality, a coaching and consulting agency dedicated to helping you create meaningful experiences for your employees and guests. At Meaningful Hospitality, we believe that hospitality is a major force of positive change in the world. When you can implement practices of hospitality into all aspects of your organization, things get better. And so we're passionate about coming alongside leaders and specifically helping them use hospitality to hire better employees, improve their employee engagement program, and to innovate the guest experience. So if we can come alongside you and your team in any way, please reach out. You can email us at hello 
at MeaningfulHospitality.com or simply visit us at www.MeaningfulHospitality.com. We'll see you on the next episode of the Meaningful Hospitality Podcast.